0: DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We're joined now by Ben Anderson. You hear him on jazz pre-half and post-game shows. He writes for KSL.com. He joins us now. Ben, good morning. Good morning. So, Ben, I am curious. In my simple mind, I always thought there was a better chance that basketball would go to Las Vegas and hold the rest of the regular season or portions of it and then do the playoffs. I thought there was a better chance of that than baseball trying to play the whole regular season or at least a big chunk of it in the Phoenix area. And I think the two things that weighed in is, one, basketball is just a little simpler because the rosters are smaller, right? It's roughly half the size, especially if baseball expands to have more pitchers so they can play more doubleheaders. And then the other thing is that Phoenix has a lot of things going for it, but man, it's going to be really hot to play baseball there. If they're going to try and do this all the way through the summer, look out. July and August can really be hot. Not that June and September are great, but July and August can really be hot. But now it seems like baseball is a little closer to doing it than basketball is, which I think I find encouraging for basketball in the long run. Am I right on this or any part of this?
1: Uh, I was with you. I mean, I thought basketball would be easier. A, they were already kind of mid-season, so there was a little more impetus to try and get it done. And then B, they've got this great relationship with Vegas. Not that you know, uh, baseball doesn't have a good relationship playing in some of their different cities, as the minor leagues or the preseason plays in different areas. But uh, I'm with you. I thought basketball would come back first, but also baseball is certainly far less of a contact sport you know there's less interaction there's natural social distancing with nine guys on the field for the most part uh so so i guess in that sense baseball's ability to come back especially if there's not going to be any fans watching which you know i mean you look at a lot of the midday games already in baseball there's not a ton of fans in the stands i, I, I see why it's possible or why they think it, that they can get it done
2: so you think the analytics on the shifting now in baseball, they'll have to require these social distancings of six feet away? That could
1: revolutionize the game. Yeah, if, if you've got to figure out a, a new double play uh, uh, rotation or a new switch, yeah, that's going to fix it for you.
0: I don't want to see catchers quite so close to home plate. Let's drop them back about 10 feet.
1: Or just move the batter up three or four feet.
0: Pitchers are already throwing too hard. Batters don't want to be any closer. They need all the time they can get.
1: Well, they move everyone back. (laughs) Give them a little bit more time. So,
2: uh, listening to Adam Silver uh, talk about uh, how, you know, they want to do everything possible to get this thing to return, obviously, and he's not going to make any decisions until minimum May 1st, not necessarily committing to making decisions May 1st. But just listening to him talk, and I listened to it twice, it was about a half hour i listened to it the first time just to hear it second time to really hone in on and take some notes for it to be able to use for the show i came away encouraged maybe i'm up in the night and maybe it's just because it's wishful thinking but my thinking is that in some form and i don't know what or how or when we're gonna have some hoop
1: yeah i think certainly there's optimism around now i know over the weekend brian went and a couple of reports came out saying that you know that there was pessimism around the league, and maybe from certain owners, there is pessimism that they're going to come back. But uh, the league wants to come back. I mean, certainly they want to make some of that money back, and they want to figure out a way to do it. And I think Adam Silver is is somebody who's a, a creative thinker and has found a way to accomplish things that not every other sports commissioner can do. So I, I think if there is a league that is going to have the ability to salvage something like this, it's Adam Silver, and and maybe it's just one breakthrough that they need and not a vaccine but maybe it's just rapid testing that they've talked about even as recently as last night where if they could test every player an hour two hours three hours before a game and have those results and say hey you can play you're okay to to come in why not do that and then why not finish the season if you feel like hey you can test 40 people before every game uh, and feel safe they can play and, and, and not spread anything
0: You know, and I get all that, and I've certainly talked to other hosts here, had a conversation with Hans Olsen, and he was pointing out, look at all the players in the NBA that tested positive and how they seem to go right through this disease. Probably, and this has to be studied, but probably, you know, their age and their physical condition is a big part of that. But at the same time, if they're going to go to Vegas or if baseball's going to go to Phoenix, uh, what about the assistant coaches and the coaches who are in their 50s, 60s, and 70s? You don't want some iconic coach with five championships like Pop having his health put at risk or worse in one of these things. And
1: so how big a factor is all of that? Well, and one of the things I've kind of thought about a lot uh, along those lines is some of these players have underlying conditions that we have no idea about some of these guys probably have asthma some of these guys have, have different issues that of course they don't talk about or, or don't come out in pre-draft process and you know or rightfully so that's not anyone else's business but yeah the, nobody's risk-free I mean I think that is one of the things that we've learned completely and then certainly if anyone has any sort of you know compromised immunity uh, of any kind That it makes it really dangerous, and if one NBA player were to die, one professional or uh, athlete were to die in the situation, I mean, it would just be an absolute disaster, and it would be hard for anyone to live down. I mean, I think people would understand, but certainly nobody would like it, and it would be it, it would just it would put everything in perspective about how silly we were to want anyone to come back.
2: Okay, but at the same time, are we ever going to get to the point where we have a hundred percent guarantee that this illness, this virus, that disease, that virus, whatever it might be, is completely out of the question?
1: Probably not in the next two years, you know, probably not even during next season. So yeah. no, and I think right. that is what Adam Silver is trying to figure out is at what point is it safe? at what point you know is it okay to even put you know your basketball players on a plane again and feel confident that you're doing it and saying that, hey, this risk is, you know, any less great than it is any other disease like you're talking about. So, yeah, I don't think it's ever going to be perfect, but someone's going to have to be willing to kind of, you know, fall on that sword and say, hey, we're at least going to try it.
0: Well, I think we all do that every day, right? I mean, it's not risk-free going to the grocery store, but we're not eating out at restaurants much. Maybe you're ordering out some takeout from some places, but you see the lines at grocery stores. And and I've actually heard health experts say that there is risk in going to grocery store. You know, gloves, masks, wiping down the cart, you know, all those things. Anything you do to minimize the risk is critical. So we all make those decisions every day.
1: Yeah, absolutely, no question. And then the nice thing is we make those decisions for ourselves and we get to make that choice of where I'm going to go. If Adam Silver demands that his you know athletes come back and start playing and one of them gets sick, it's easy to point the finger at him and for him to feel bad when there, no one's pushing him, no one's forcing him to bring the season back this year. So if he does this season and somebody does get sick or a coach gets sick or something happens, I mean, I'm sure that weighs extremely heavily on him.
2: I think in a sense that... Sports and particularly right now the NBA because they were in the heart of their season where everybody ramps up attention if you're any form of an NBA fan because the playoffs are right around the corner, right? And they've got the stars that are so captivating. And just the fact that it's playoffs pretty much induces a lot of people to follow. Where you look at MLS and you look at baseball, their seasons are just barely – Would be starting right now, you know, maybe in the second month or second week, whatever it might be. So the NBA is in a different situation. So I look at the NBA as being a leader in all of this. And with that in mind, I don't want to say they owe it to us, but I think it's extremely important if they can get back. And so with that in mind, they're, do you agree that they're going to be the leader, and that if they decide to come back, then we'll see others follow?
1: Yeah, I think so. I think Adam Silver even said as much and kind of talked about it in the uh, in the conference call they had with the president, the other commissioners uh, of, of the other major sports. That he wants to be a leader and he wants to. to feel like sports can, can kind of help everyone, guide everyone back to uh, what regular life looks like, or at least kind of push in that direction, but he also said he wants to make sure everyone's safe, and it's it's the right time to do it. He certainly doesn't want to risk it. Again, which is completely understandable, but but I'm with you. Basketball uh, does seem like it has that ability. The same way, you know, I think baseball probably did a little bit post-9-11. Uh, coming back, it kind of signaled that everything was okay, that we were going to be okay, that life was going to be restored. Uh, I think basketball, because it was the face of you know, kind of the world shutting down, or at least our world in the United States shutting down, uh, I certainly think coming back uh, for basketball would be a strong indicator that, hey, things will get back to normal, even if they're played in kind of abnormal uh, circumstances.
0: Golf's committed itself to a calendar, and of course all commitment is relative. They get new information they could postpone or delay again, but at least they've been willing to put something out there publicly. You want to establish any odds on their ability to follow through and actually hold those tournaments on the dates they put out there? What level of confidence do you have that that can happen?
1: I'm pretty confident that golf can, can manage and figure that out. I mean, I've gone and played golf since this happened. Uh, we, we did a segment for it and, and, you know, the golf courses are open here in salt Lake. So I, I think that's another thing where they feel like golfers probably can go out and can probably do it safely. Again, social distancing, you can, you know, avoid certain people touching, you know, rakes, Obviously, you know, players ever touching a, a, a flag. So there's, there's, ways where i think golf is probably one of the safest sports so in that sense certainly probably a much higher likelihood do they play the entire season do they hit every single one of those dates it only takes one outbreak in one city for them to say you probably shouldn't play there and, and it's, it's easy to cancel things right now N- nobody's twisting your arm saying hey you didn't play you know stop eight on the tour that nobody cares about as long as you play a couple of the majors if you could play all the majors or you know three of them i think that would be enormous
2: so sometime this golf season, Mike Weir wants to get me and DJ out on the golf course. Do you think DJ will have the stones to fall through?
1: <laughs> no, I really don't. I mean, well, <laughs> you, you don't think you'll go out and play. I, I had to play on TV. I've never swung on uh, – I've never played in front of anybody, and that was mortifying. So, yes, playing in front of a professional like that who's, who's as good as he's been, uh, I, I understand the fear there, but you, you can live up to it. You do radio. You, you're on TV all the time. I think you can uh, you can figure that out.
0: Yeah, you, you baby. Yeah, I'd like to be playing bogey golf before I go out with a masters champ. Okay, I don't think that's I don't think that's crazy. Come on, I did. I've played with Mike. You're good. I mean, you <laughs> you'll say you aren't, but you if you shoot 80, something went wrong. <laughs>
2: I Ben, I really want to get DJ out there and I'm going to film
0: it. I, well, but see the thing is, here's the thing. Is it's twist and pull here's Ben. I really I really want to golf with a Masters champ. I mean, you look at like he wins the Masters. The two years before he wins the Masters, you know who won? Tiger and Tiger. The three years after, it was Phil, Tiger, and Phil. You know, if you're gonna if you're (laughs) gonna take home a Masters champion in a six-year stretch, that's a pretty good six-year stretch. And honestly take one home anytime, I don't even care, just one Masters, I don't care but especially then when Tiger and Phil are on top of their games and you take home a Masters so yeah, there's a part of me that desperately wants to play with him and there's a part of me that desperately doesn't want to shoot a 128
1: while I'm playing with him. Yeah, I mean I would shoot 80 on the front nine so I'm not, you know, but it's a once in a lifetime opportunity.
2: Exactly.
0: See, I, I'm not happen. sure it is, because there's a, there's a part of Mike that really wants this to happen. You can hear it in his voice. So I don't know if it is once in a lifetime.
1: <laughs> well, okay. How, <laughs> For his own well entertainment, you I think game? he wants to see this. You, you said you want to be playing bogey golf. How close are you, and how long will it take you to get there?
0: How close am I, PK, and how long will it take me to get there? You've seen me play multiple times. Could I be doing uh, it well, within a year? I, Within a year, I could be playing bogey golf, couldn't I?
2: If you dedicated yourself, I think it could happen. Now, maybe it would have to be from the whites, but that's fine. Uh, yeah, I've I, I actually, in all sincerity, I've seen you make significant improvement, which is actually common. You have athletic ability. That's not. That's not the question. And I've actually seen... People who've made a commitment to the game, and the commitment obviously is playing the game. That's you know that's the way you make a commitment. I suppose you can study its swings and read up on it on YouTube and all that, but that can get in your head at some point. So in the last year. Two years ago, casually playing to committing to playing more this past season, I've seen a significant improvement. The awful shot, the awful hole is more of the rarity. You know, the great hole still hasn't come consistently, so you're sort of in between. I wouldn't put you at bogey now, but I'd put you, like, at bogey
1: and a half. Yeah.
0: yeah that's probably that's about where I am.
1: If you have a, you know, let's say a 36 handicap, you should go play. I know that's an enormous number. But you ah, that's double play. bogey golf. I can play double bogey golf. I can definitely do that. You should absolutely that. go play then. You should go play.
0: Yeah, I, I, uh, I'm definitely at the point now where I make. If I make a double bogey, I, I I am. In the words of PK, I am pissed.
1: I don't know if I've ever had a double bogey. Period. Maybe like nibbly whole 9 if I got it over the water on the first time maybe I got it in in five
0: really cuz I watched the segment you're talking about I, I saw that and so I think I think it's a case of if you played you would get to where I am pretty quickly if you just played I I'm mean, sure when, if I wanted to you know work when you're it, when you when your partner in crime is standing on the hill saying hit it over my head he's got a certain amount of confidence in you
1: well, confidence is an interesting word, to and use you did. To calm, you, put, but
0: <laughs> you put an easy swing on it. You got it up in the air, and you knocked it over the hill, and you knocked it over him, and it was fine.
1: Yeah, uh, you, you know, people, you can improve your game, but if you if you have an opportunity to play there, I mean, uh, here, let me say this, DJ. If I could go play with Mike Weir right now, I would go play.
0: Okay, so you, me, PK, and Mike Weir.
1: <laughs> Yock, <Yawk, laughs> Yock is
0: right now. Yock doesn't get mad, but he's mad right now. Hey. Hey, how am I not in on this? I'm definitely under bogey golf right now. I'm the one who dials Mike Weir's phone number.
2: (laughs) Hey, Ben Anderson has some athletic ability. Don't forget, he was the one who D'd me up on that hook shot that I had to win the whole thing. Oh, yeah.
0: When you tried to go left and you tried to go right and he took them both away. Lateral quickness, Ben. You've got it. Yeah. He still hit the shot, so I couldn't be that good. Hey, all you can do is force a guy into a low-percentage shot. You don't control whether the low-percentage shot goes in or not.
2: He was a lockdown defender.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So what have you done with yourself since the last time we talked with you? What have you done with yourself, the sports perspective? What have you learned about the Jazz, the NBA? You've been digging into the numbers, watching film, breaking it down. You just put it up on a shelf and just let it go away because it's just too frustrating.
1: No, I mean, certainly you need to keep writing and have enjoyed doing that. And, and you know, there's there's an opportunity to be a little bit more creative and, and kind of dive into, you know, some evergreen content that'll that'll stick around. It isn't necessarily, you know, time consuming, which is nice. It's fun to do. It's fun to go back and actually uh, take a look at, at what's happened so far this season, kind of reexamine the games. and i'm never a sky is falling person uh certainly when it comes to the world of sports i mean there's there's certain uh, safety nets for for every league to make sure that you know if you're bad you get a draft pick and if you're good you go to the playoffs And it's hard to make the playoffs and hard to be good so uh, i think the jazz were in a good spot and we're gonna be fine this year and i, I know there was some, some hand wringing over the, the play of mike conley or the fit of mike conley and I think going back and looking at where he is, where he finished the season. If you're a Jazz fan, there's no reason not to feel confident that whether they come back this year or, or come back next year, that you know this is kind of a two-year experiment, and I think it's going to work out. But uh, I think it's been fun to, to take a step back and look at the season and look at the NBA and realize, you know, kind, kind of give a, a a deeper appreciation for what it was or what it is every year because when you take it away, you do start to miss these things. But uh, it, it's kind of been an interesting. Uh, opportunity to to look at it from thirty thousand feet and, and kind of take in a little bit more uh, of the storylines as opposed to just kind of the day to day grind, which is easy to get lost in.
0: Well, Ben, we appreciate a few minutes, and uh, we'll let you know uh, how the uh, the experiment goes.
1: Just let me know when we're uh, what our tea time is.
0: <laughs> okay, thanks, Ben. <laughs> See ya. All right, there he is, Ben Anderson. Hear him on Jazz pre-half and post. It'll be good when we can uh, hear from him on the Jazz pre-half and post once again because that'll mean they're playing. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. There's been a lot going on today. Adam Kilgar from The Washington Post, Mike Weir, Masters Champ, Ben just now, uh, you on Facebook and social media. We'll get to all of that next. Stay with us. Yeah! And now, Attention. top of the wire One. on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Utah Jazz GM Justin Zanik interviewed for the Chicago Bulls executive vice president of basketball operations job according to reports. NBA Commissioner Adam Silver said Monday night he was told by uh, he's told people in the NBA that there will be no way for the league to make a decision about whether it can return or not until May 1st at the earliest. Utah sophomore guard Booth Gotch will declare for the 2020 NBA draft, according to reports, but he will maintain his college eligibility while testing the waters for feedback from NBA teams. And according to reports, both the Rams and the Chargers will be featured on HBO's Hard Knock series if there are NFL training camps this summer. Major League Baseball planning to start their season as early as May. They're working on a plan that would send all 30 teams to Arizona, where they would play at the Arizona Diamondbacks Chase Field, 10 spring training facilities, and perhaps a few other nearby fields. Top of the Wire is brought to you by Syringa Networks. Syringa Networks is home to complete business telecom and IT solutions, backed by an industry-leading SLA that guarantees the uptime your business needs. It's effective communications for 21st Century Utah. Get started now at syringanetworks.net. School is the worst (laughs) and Corona. My parents suck at at teaching me. I wish I could go to normal school. Normal
2: school. Corona is
0: the worst. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 Zone. Time to catch you up to date on all the stuff we've been talking about and it is brought to you it is brought to you by Larry H. Miller, Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram, Ian Sandy. Find your deals online at LHMdeals.com. PK, you saw this on social media and it cracked you up. This kid with a guitar just sitting there singing, making it up as he goes. Actually, it was a grandson of my friends. They sent it to me. Oh, really? I didn't know there was a tie. Nice. <laughs> Corona is the worst. And I know the grandparents,
2: and I can only imagine that they suck at teaching. <laughs>
0: Well, the kid was pretty cute. So we're getting an angry text from him in the next five minutes, PK. I told him it was coming. Oh. Okay, on a list of things we were talking earlier, and I think you're being a little Pollyannish here about this is going to change uh, behavior <laughs> at games. People are really going to step back and reevaluate. In the short run, I agree. In the short run, be, everybody will be so happy, but then you get a little ways down the road, and people will be screaming and misbehaving and throwing stuff and whatever. You think? Do you oh, seriously think, though, that having home-taught the kids that a higher—and there's already parents who appreciate teachers—but do you think a higher percentage of parents are going to appreciate teachers having been through homeschooling?
2: Oh, absolutely, yes.
0: Yeah, I agree with you on that. I,
2: I've done student teaching in way back when. And so I had a, an Arizona teaching certificate, a credential, and I taught, obviously, in the student teaching. That's what you do. And I was done— uh, like at 2 o'clock. I felt like it was 10 o'clock every day. And I was 23 years old. And you were gas Yeah, I, went, I graduated from ASU. And then, uh, so uh, the following uh, year, so I I, uh, I actually worked as a substitute teacher because you just needed a, a four-year degree or a five-year degree in my case, a bachelor's. And so then I substituted for... The next year and then starting June of the a year removed of when I graduated with my communications broadcasting degree I went back to Grand Canyon and so I started in June took the summer courses to get ready to student teach because they helped me expedite the process and so then in August I started my student teaching so I did it in the fall yes and I so I'm what 22 23 years old and I was Yes, by 2 o'clock, standing in front of and – and I did it over in uh, a place called Valley High School, which was a newer area, and it was a newer school, so it was a crowded area. So you had 40 kids in the class, freshman English. I did four freshman English and one beginning journalism class. And my goodness, it took so much energy out of me. It was, it was outrageous. And so, yes, to have to stand up in front of a class – in, in, in high school or grow it doesn't matter the school level but man that was so tiresome so energy using that yeah i think that people are going to have a big time greater appreciation and i appreciate the state raising teacher salaries because come on man what i mean there's a lot of things what what, what we do I, I question the level of importance to society what they do no one questions you can't put a price on a quality
0: teacher well, I agree with that, and you obviously do, too. You're saying it, but I think there are people out there who would debate that. But we can leave that for another show on another day.
2: Well, they're idiots.
0: <laughs> we had Mike Weir, 2003 Masters champ, on the show. And he, we asked him, you know, what would it take to uh, be comfortable with uh, you know going back to golf and all that. And he really didn't go to the golf stuff. It was more all the stuff around it, you know, what does travel look like? And also then his take on Augusta in November, I thought. I was surprised that he had never been there in November, but I guess that's just not the way the golf schedule works and not what you're into. So right. it'll be new for everybody.
2: Yeah, and actually it will be, if it happens – it will be sort of fun because we understand, hopefully anyway, that it's a one shot deal and it's something different. It will be a new twist. Now, when they're out there playing golf, I mean, the golf is golf, right? And you're trying to compete to win the thing. But the fact that it won't be the start of spring and all the romance that comes with that, I think that's part of baseball's lore is that the time that it starts is in the spring when you have the earth renewing itself and the better weather is coming and everybody's looking forward to it right most folks look forward to spring and i think that's the charming aspect of it well this will be different now it'll be right before the start of winter actually and so that will be fun to see and then, I think Bob Casper said it uh, with us uh, yesterday, then we, uh, we have a shorter time frame to wait for the next Masters, right? It'll only be a few months later. So, yeah, that'll be fun. And, and for, for Mike uh, to get back there, and which he's done, and, he's, and I've talked to him about it. Uh, the guys that I golfed with him when we went the, in the fall, they go back there. They're part of his circle that goes back, and they love it too, yeah. And uh, nobody wants that stuff. Nobody wants good things taken away from us. We want bad things. We don't want good things taken away.
0: Utah sophomore guard Booth Gotch will declare for the 2020 NBA draft, according to reports, but is going to maintain his college eligibility. You know, he's uh, – I think that so much of the draft is now potential. You know, what kind of body type and frame do you have? What kind of athleticism do you have? And then they think that whether they use the G League, the two-way contracts, the end of the bench – Teams are really into the development. So is he going to be a case, and I'm leaning towards the answer on this, yes. Is he going to be a case of where uh, he's not he's not ready now, but because of his potential, now is a good time to go. And I, I think he may hear that the answer to that is yes. That could be the advice he gets, even though I don't think he's ready to play in the NBA.
2: Well, you look at his frame. He's tall, he's skinny, mm-hmm. so he can gain weight and gain muscle. Uh, but he's got very nice athletic ability now. He had a wildly inconsistent season. It ended on a little bit of a, a nice flair there. I think he got player of the week right at the end. He had, what did he, have, did he have, 28 against Colorado? Is that what it was? Some One of those schools at the end of the season. He played really well. So you could see uh, somebody taking a fly on him for sure, yeah. But I can also see him thinking, hey, you know, we've got a good team coming back that should be able to make a push for something you know potential NCA birth uh but at the same time i'm never going to tell anybody don't take money if someone's offering you money to do something and you want to do it and there's some risk involved but still you want to do it you know, go ahead and do it if that, I, if that's what you, at the very least why not get evaluated
0: yeah Right, and I think you hit on one important thing, the logic of him returning. And this is one thing, and I know NBA gyms look at this, is that they'll look at your college stats, and then they separate it out and say, show me the NCAA teams on your schedule, and what were your stats against those guys? And that's where they eliminate a bunch of guys and elevate a bunch of guys. And so if you're, on a be- if you're better and you're on a better team and you're playing more of those big games, now, you know, the NCAA tournament, what do you think the Pac-12 would have had in this year? At minimum five, at max seven? Minimum five, yeah. Max, yeah. yeah. Uh, so,
2: seven probably would be a little bit of a reach, but right. yeah, minimum five.
0: So he did get to play, and obviously they played uh, you know, Kentucky and San Diego State, uh, BYU, NCAA tournament teams that were on their schedule in the non-conference too. So he's got a little bit of a, uh, a sample size there. But if he comes back another year and can really play well against those teams, it'll absolutely increase his value. The question is, does he want to take that chance and wait a year? Uh, Justin Zanuck, multiple reports that he's interviewed for the Chicago Bulls Executive Vice President for Basketball Operations Job. He's currently Utah Jazz General Manager. You know, if he, if he has a chance to go to a club, I guess I'm leaning on the old Kyle Winningham line here, you know, if a, if a position coach can become a coordinator, a coordinator can become a head coach, you can't complain. Uh, titles don't exactly match up across different NBA organizations, but if he gets somewhere, somewhere where he gets to have the number one say in how an organization is wrong who is drafted, whether a trade is made, whether a free agent is re-signed, whatever. Uh, Because even though he has the GM title here, obviously when push comes to shove, he's got a lot of influence, but Dennis Lindsay is ultimately the decision-maker. If Justin has a chance to move to any club where he is ultimately the decision-maker, then you can't really complain about that.
2: Uh no, I mean even if it if he wasn't and he still wanted to do it. That's a personal
0: decision. And if that's what he wants to do, <laughs> the Northwestern Tide going home him. even if it's a Either lateral way. move,
2: yeah. Uh, yeah, but you're absolutely right. You know, what is One title equals something to one organization and another title means something to another. The same title can mean something to another. I don't know the Bulls ins and outs because I don't follow them. They haven't been worthy of being followed since Jerry Krause and Reinsdorf and MJ and Phil and all those guys. Uh, But here we understand exactly uh, how things are. Well, maybe not exactly, but have a good idea of how stuff is going. That's not to say that... He's just sitting around doing nothing because they obviously they have give, have him in that position where he has significant input. I guess if you're somebody who wants the final say, I wonder how many times the final say ever comes to that actually as opposed to the say is a group say to where whatever that inner circle is. And so you've got these folks involved in that. Now, I have not been in that room on draft night, but I know people who've been in that room. Obviously, we know several people, and, you know, they told us how things work, and, you know, you're like, it's like a marriage, I would think, that I wouldn't want to be making any decisions over here about something extremely important if my wife totally disagrees. I don't know about you, but I think you're probably in the same boat that there's going to be a consensus of thought process. But if he wants the Bulls, and the Bulls want him,
0: Good luck to you. You know how many playoff series the Bulls have won since uh, Jordan hit the shot over Brian Russell and then stepped into retirement and eventually to the Wizards? But 98, after the 98 finals, how many playoff series have they won since then?
2: Well, didn't you say earlier that it was three?
0: No, it's five. It's five. They've won a first-round series four times. Uh, it was, I said earlier, I was talking about that okay. they'd only gone to the playoffs once in four years and they were going to miss this year. So it'd be once in five years and that they've only got, uh, two playoff series wins. Cause you pointed out that they did have it going there for a while. And then Rose got hurt in 2011. They were in the conference final. And if you're in the conference final, you're pretty deep into the show at that point. You're one of four teams left standing. That's, that's a pretty good run. Um, but since 98, they've won five playoff series, and they won two of them in 2011. So it's been it's been lean times in Chicago. Other stuff we've talked about this morning. We had Adam Kilgore on, national sports reporter for the Washington Post. He had a story in the Post about team sports returning in 2021, that it could be that long before uh, they're, we're be, we're really back to what we know, you know, fans in the stands and uh, – Football, baseball, basketball, you know, on down the list. He did point out that not, uh, that everyone he talked to, even the educated people who do this for a living, you know, and they they work in health departments and, and they work on pandemics and all that, that this virus is so new that even they have lots of questions, so... I came away with that, you know, hope for the best, playing for the worst. That There's still a wide range of possibilities, and nobody really knows for sure. But uh, he did paint one of those worst-case scenarios.
2: Yeah, but didn't that preacher Kenneth Copeland cast out the disease?
0: Twice. I've now seen two videos from him. Yeah, the wind. That's, uh, I don't know what that is. Yeah. (laughs) That's, That's different.
2: Oh, you're, you're doubting Different. here? I like yeah, I'm doubting. So somebody who's not I'm of doubting. your faith can't have access I'm, to God?
0: I'm doubting. Uh, I actually think people not of my faith can't doubting have access DJ, to God. yet again. But watching that video, I wasn't sure what we accomplished. I don't know that that moved us any closer. Well, I guess it was about a minute long video, so it moved us a minute closer. Yeah. The wind. The
2: oh. wind. What did you want, man? This is a man of God. He cast out to the wind. Is that what it was? He cast the virus to the wind.
0: So
1: he he cast wind on this
2: virus. You (laughs) see what
0: I'm saying? Yeah, I see what you're saying. See what you did there? That was clever. Uh, Adam Silver had an interview last night. We talked a little (laughs) bit about that. TNT's Ernie Johnson on NBA's Twitter page, and he said, May 1. No decisions until then. Going to be gathering information until May 1, see where we are then, and then decide on what's going to happen. So that whole thought of the NBA in Las Vegas for the playoffs with no fans, a couple, uh, couple of uh, hotel casinos have uh, built-in gyms there, and they could literally walk from their room to the game. You could probably – get some buses, dedicate one bus to each team or two buses to each team and uh, go back and forth because they've got an NHL arena obviously there and they've got UNLV's got two arenas that are next to each other. So they've got multiple opportunities in Vegas. But it doesn't sound like we're going to hear anything here. It's April what, April 7th is today. Today's April 7th and uh, Adam Silver's saying nothing until May 1. Either way. Wait it out. Gather more info. There's
2: a couple of things that I took from that. One, at 57 years of age, he's going to have a child, a daughter next month. This guy, I mean, he's, he's living the Hollywood lifestyle, you know, these guys having kids way late in their lives, you know what I'm saying?
0: Well, New York, Broadway, so I was you know, Broadway. On that. Broadway and Hollywood, it's not that big a difference. New York, LA, Broadway, Hollywood. Broadway Adam, huh? Yeah, Broadway Adam. And then,
2: secondly, I thought he gave a great interview. I thought that it was something that he's obviously it's weighing on him. He talked about the roughly connected uh, amount of employees, the 55,000. Mm-hmm. And he said that's what's literally keeping him up at night of all the worries. That's right there at the top of the list because there are so many people who have the potential to suffer financially because of this and that at no point is to be taken lightly whatsoever we've had some of our own obviously my heart goes out to them as deep and compassionately as it can be and others my uh sister's uh son-in-law got laid off as an electrician all this stuff is major major issues that we are all deeply concerned about so i understand all of that and adam silver is very conscious of this and listening to him give that interview i come back with the idea of a they certainly want to get back and b they're going to do everything in their possible possible everything possible i should say to be able to get back and they i feel very confident That they're going to make the right decision.
0: You know, you and I know because we're coming in and out of the arena on a regular basis. uh, People might hear the number fifty-five thousand and think, "How is that possible?" You know, but when you take um, all the people who uh, sell tickets, all the ushers who work games, you and I know from just walking into the arena in the morning, the people at security when we walk in, the uh, people we pass who are coming into uh, into uh, shifts. Whether it's custodial, janitorial, there's a a guy who does repairs on the arena who tends to walk in about the same time I do. I see him all the time. There are a lot of people behind the scenes to keep this going that I don't think ever cross people's minds. Equipment managers, um, I mean, you just go on down the line. Sponsorship people, um, how many people it takes to put on radio and TV broadcasts, you probably don't realize that there's a lot of people impact and this is just one industry. And then you realize all the people associated, you know, all the, um, all the vendors that an NBA team would work with. It's a long list.
2: It absolutely is. Yes. And, and I am cognizant of those people because that's the type of family that I've spoken about this many times over that I grew up with and I grew up in, and that's what my parents did for work And so I'm well aware of what it takes to have to live literally a paycheck to paycheck and literally have to be concerned about every penny that goes out of your pocket and your wallet and you have to budget. And I don't take that lightly under any stretch.
0: All right. One cool thing to uh, end this on, and then we'll get to all your feedback on social media. And I just saw this on uh, social media. And this is... uh, Not that far from where you grew up in New Jersey, but across Manhattan and out onto Long Island, there's a there's a, a hospital there, Mount Sinai. They have a cool little tradition. And if you've ever, and I know you know this, PK, uh, you know how you ring the bell at the end of your cancer treatments? That friend who got to ring the bell, a friend from college, she had just finished it up and she put it up on Facebook. And your wife went through that. And, you know, you get to ring the bell when you're done. That's a tradition. New it's tradition good. they have.
2: Yeah, right there, where yes. Yeah.
0: Go ahead. Mount Sinai Hospital in uh, on Long Island, every time a COVID-19 patient recovers and leaves the hospital, over the system, they play "Here Comes the Sun." They have dis- Here comes the sun. Yes, they have discharged eleven hundred patients so far across all Mount Sinai awesome. hospitals. Yeah.
2: Last week, I tweeted out when uh, comfort music.
0: Uh, I know, not Yeah, I remember. At
2: literally the top, mm-hmm. but close to the top, if not at the top, is "Here Comes the Sun" by the Beatles. George Harrison, obviously, he was like twenty something. Early age when he wrote that tune. But in terms of comfort music, how do you not hear that tune and
0: think, ah, it's going to be a good day? DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280, the zone. We are brought to you in part by Master Electrical Services. Master Electrical, always open during this challenging time. Call Master Electrical at 801 543 2222 for upfront pricing and your satisfaction guaranteed. Master Electrical Services will light up your day. And it's all over,
1: almost here. Don't go nowhere. All
0: right, it's time for your feedback now. And it is brought to you by Audi Salt Lake City, where you can pick up a new Audi Q5 SUV for only $3.59 per month. Visit Audi Salt Lake City at 999 South State or AudisaltlakeCity.com. All right, your feedback, all the stuff you've been thinking about today's show, the question of the day up on uh, Facebook. Adam Silver says the NBA won't make any decisions till May 1. What are your projections? Uh, Jeremy says, unfortunately, the season is over. Matt, have a fun summer. See you next year. Darren, I'd be shocked if there's a season. There's a lot of negativity, PK. Just don't think it's going to happen. Boo, (laughs) boo, boo. Uh, we've got, uh, Alex, who's turned away from the NBA and says, I'm projecting Jordan Love gets drafted in the first round. Reasonable. Dan says, NBA basketball is a lost cause, just like BYU football. Let's focus on Major League Baseball in the NFL season. Boo. Got in a shot at BYU, though. How about that? Ute or Boo. Aggie? Ute or Aggie?
2: Uh, I think that, uh, what are we focusing on? The other two? What do you say?
0: Oh, uh, yeah, he was just moving on to baseball and football. He just doesn't think there's time uh, for basketball. Uh,
2: okay, I'd probably go a U. Too. He sounds pretty uneducated. Went to
0: Granite High. Oh, of course. Now closed. Studied at Salt Lake Community College. Slick. So there it is. <laughs> okay. All right, hit us up on Facebook. Uh, we, the, the show never ends. There will be uh, new topics up on Facebook throughout the day. Check DJ and PK. Follow us on Twitter. He's a PK Kennahan. I'm a David DJ James. Scouting hands coming up next right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.